Right. Hello, everyone. Right. A uh, new episode of the Running Strength Podcast with myself, Ian, um, aka the Painfully Average Weightlifter, and Chris Speed. Today, we've got two of our lifters uh, joining us, Marcus Tan and Alan King. Um, both have lifted and haven't got experience working within a Chinese system of weightlifting, of coaching, and spent some time working within those systems. So we're going to be talking about that later on. But to obviously just kick things off first, sort of just to touch base with everyone, sort of like, how's everyone been doing? Alan, obviously you've been, it's quite an interesting one for you, Alan, because you've been jumping across the pond left, right and centre because your missus out in America, isn't she? Yes, missus is American, so I've been going back there every three months, staying for three months until I get an email saying, right, you need to leave now. Gee, and that, must, that must be a bit of a pain in the ass to be constantly flipping back and forth. Uh, it is, but I mean, just, it means I get access to the gym and get to spend some time with the wife as well, so. Yeah, that, that's the more important one, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's say yeah let's say yeah just, just in case she, just in case you start to listen how have you found it then working sort of like jumping sort of like obviously with the restrictions that we've got here at the moment and obviously in the states i know they're a little bit more lax than we are sort of has has it been sort of like having to go from the gym to from what i keep seeing i'm assuming you're in like a gazette you're in some sort of like um conservatory aren't you when you lift yeah so when i'm back in the uk i'm in a conservatory Luckily enough, I know uh, I know enough people that own gyms that are happy to lend me kit and matting so I can actually do a bit of lifting. I've got a mate called Paul. He always comes around and gives me stuff. But yeah, going to America is like it's like full platform, full rack, full setup. Being able to drop the bar is probably the biggest difference, though. Yeah, that that's been killing me recently. Till like, I I found some me being true to my Scottish roots, like I found uh, via a couple of the powerlifters that we've got uh, built differently. They've advised me and found these different pads, worked out twenty five quid each compared to the seventy to one hundred and twenty. So I thought, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to give these. And it was it's it's been bloody delightful the past two sessions being able to actually drop a bar in my garden. So I might actually be able to uh, make Mister Speed and Mehmed happy and put some sort of PB up soon in the garden, which will be a, which will be a nice thing to do. But yeah, it, it, I would say it must be quite, like I say, just, just frustrating to sort of like jump back from one atmosphere and then have to almost flip your entire training program to the restrictions you've now got it being in the conservatory. Yeah. Well, obviously working work with Chrissy, like takes into account that I am working in a conservatory. We talk about things and what I can and can't do, but mm. the main restriction is just about uh, the kit. I still go decently heavier, just, it's it's a make or die lift all the time, um, yeah. so there's no no danger of me bombing out anytime soon. So yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's mad when you've got to play those games. I and mean, I was saying to Chris in some of our earlier podcasts, like when I was actually forced to suck it up during the the squat every day program during the first lockdown, it's like I can't drop two hundred kilos. It's going to take my guard now. And all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. you, you find a different level straight away, and it's like I can't run forward because I'm going to take the entire conservatory out. Oh yeah, that's a be a hefty glass bill that. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> being able to push to probably like right around the eighty-five percent mark. I feel, honestly, I feel feel flying at the minute. Um, I feel like if I can do like a one twenty, one forty or something in the conservatory, I'm good for like thirty sixty when I can actually get my hand on a bar. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. And so Marcus as well, mate. Like today, you was it today you took part in an online comp? Say that again, sorry. Was it today that you took part in the online comp? Yeah, yeah I did all my uh, my recordings today for British. That was for, what was that for the British just for Open. the online open comp? Yeah, that was the one. So, sort of fill us in, mate. How did did it go? Did it not go? Um, it went pretty well. 
Um, I was, I'm happy with the snatches because I didn't P- PB. I was, I think I was one kilo under a PB. It's um, yeah, good though. Like, yeah. truthfully, it's like one of those things. I mean, we're all quite established lifters now, but it's, it's very rare that I personally think like that you end up hitting lifetime PBs in competition. If you can get within one kilo, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, in the last three weeks or so, I've been hitting around those kind of numbers quite comfortably. And uh, just based on how today went, the snatch absolutely flew up. The easiest it's ever gone up, I think. Um, So I'm happy with that. I mean, uh, the numbers aren't, I'm not seeing progress via numbers, but in terms of like feedback, it's the progress is there for sure. Um, But yeah, just got a couple of niggles at the moment because I basically, my poor diet from a long, long time ago has caught up to me, even though I'm kind of, I'm taking some precautions. I'm fixing it up now. Chris is shaking his head. He's, he's yeah, your, your, your diet, like mine was bad. Yours was <laughs> great. Like, I'm not going to out you on the podcast, but like, it's disgraceful. <laughs> like when I ask you for like, oh, tell me what you typically eat in a day. It was just two lines. And I was like, that's, <laughs> that's fucking unacceptable. <laughs> I'd probably eat more in one meal than you do across so many sittings. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd back you for that. But the, the thing is as well, the worst part is, I don't have a big appetite, so I can't eat a lot in one go. So unless I absolutely space all my meals out across the day, if I skip a meal by accident, I really struggle to make up the calories. So I have like allocated meal times. Well, that's the best way to do it. If you're forcing it into your system, it's like, I was, I was, it's going to be a complete flip side, which, which we do quite a lot. I was lucky enough that one of my clients, um, who was a strongman athlete, he got um, tickets to do a VIP meet with Eddie Hall. And it was very, very interesting to hear him sort of just break down his eating throughout the entire day. Fucking he, hell, what he, he even turned around and said, it became a third job. Yeah. And if you think yeah, about it from that perspective, like he was eating, I can't even, like off the top of my head, but it was, it was something along the line, like every two hours, that guy was shoveling something down his throat. And it wasn't even just like a small meal. This was like standard size meals like the week like i definitely have i don't know about you guys but it was he even he said it it, it became mind-numbingly boring and hard just to keep and then he i think we can all agree as a strong man he was never really the biggest of strong men either he was only like he's six three mate he was yeah, six I've got, well I've, I've got a picture next to him and it was he didn't look that much unless we're talking sort of like girth he didn't look that much bigger than me but at the time he was about 160 kilos and he was only a couple of inches uh, taller than me mm. so but about fucking four four foot deep <laughs> so that's the only way to describe it but when i spoke to him in the meet and greet afterwards i said i found that fascinating the amount of food you were having to shovel in obviously medicine as well but food it's just, it's, just, it's a mind-numbingly boring thing especially when you're in a situation like yourself where you would be more as a lifter, as Chris has said, and even I've, I've popped up and said to you as well, like you'll perform better at a higher body weight. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a hard thing to shovel out into your system if you're not a natural eater. I mean, I, I weighed in today. Chris isn't gonna be happy. I weighed in about seventy five point four. In all fairness, it was kind of a kind of a morning, late morning weigh in. Um, but the heaviest I've ever weighed in my life was like seventy seven point eight or something like that. Yeah. So I'm not too far off it. I can reckon I can get there pretty comfortably. Um, but I've always struggled to put on weight. I've always been like the scrawny one. So but the good thing is if it's slowly going on and as your muscle mass builds, the, the more you go into the sport, <laughs> you'll slowly fill into a weight class. Yeah. Whereas before, I don't think you've really had the understanding of like for a weightlifter, you need to be doing X, Y, Z. Like if I was to actually truly suck it up and be a proper super, I'd need to be like 150, 160. Oh, mate, it'd be painful. 
<laughs> yeah, but you, love him, you just see, you just look at me like a big fucking teddy bear to fucking beat up every time. I'll be wonderful, but also like I don't, <laughs> I don't think you find that comfortable. At no, all. and to be truthfully honest, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting around about one twenty-five at the moment, and it's, it's, it's one of those things just to, to keep me where I am is like I eat a shitload, and I'm doing fuck. You all. need a lot of help getting up to sort of the one sixty, one fifty, one sixty mark. But that's when you look at it from like um from a super perspective. That's why it takes so long to build. Yeah. Supers, like I laugh and joke, they're just big fucking unicorns. To find really small athletes or really big ones, it's like you look at it's like needles and haystacks, and that's why like the amount of money they must have pumped into the last show at Georgia is just ridiculous. And then they've got two of the best super heavies in, of all time currently in their in their squad. Who is? I don't know if anyone's seen Rick recently. He's looking a bit skinnier. The other one. Well, they they've got another super. Yeah, they've got another super who basically. Obviously, you could, with the, the, the new-ish rules for the Olympics, yeah. you can only send, obviously, one athlete per weight class. And up until recently, like, I think he, Lasher took gold at the Olympics last time, his teammates took silver, and uh, the world's the past okay. couple of years has been a similar thing. But if he wants to continue as a weightlifter now, he might actually have to think about coming down to 109. Yeah. And I saw a picture of him and, oh, who was it? Someone else. And he was looking remarkably smaller. Huh. So I reckon we might see that that other Georgian lifter sort of sneak into the 109s next year. Well, if it is a 109 still. If if we do have weightlifting next year. We still have weightlifting. Weightlifting, regardless <laughs> of like, the, to, to what it goes on, it'll just it just might or might not be in the Olympics after Paris. We just that's that's yeah. the uh, it may, it may end up being called the sport formerly known as Olympic weightlifting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But we'll have a new symbol like Prince. It'll just be something completely different. They should make us like a, a new emblem and have Abhijayev as the actual um, the, the, the symbol for the sport. Oh, I Abhijayev my... and Ilya. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, 100%. He's on his way back, I swear to God. I swear, he's teasing us, man. It's, Every it's week you're, you're seeing a different picture of him. It's not happening. He's he's training so that he doesn't have a half attack and get fat. That's what he's doing. He doesn't want to go the way of Sully Manunu, where he just smoked loads of fags until he died. That's what that's why no, I'm training. I, I, think, I think Ilya's just ticking over in the background, and he's just he's just keeping shit ticking over. For if they do get kicked out, it'll be like right, sweet, I'm back. <laughs> Suddenly doing one eighty five to yeah. yeah, like out, out of fucking nowhere, looking like Klokov, like Klokov sort of okay, like two thousand twelve style Klokov, just 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 jacked. Completely and utterly jacked, but no, no, man, that's cool. Speedy, your training, mate. How's it been this sort of like past couple of weeks and stuff? Because obviously you've um, got your mindset towards some qualification comps now, haven't you? Yeah. So I've actually because of the trials that I think. So who will be doing it out of us? So it's me, Alan, Samantha, Jamal. I'm trying to think who else. Who the rest of us all out of our lot will be doing it? We're all doing the English champs, the Commonwealth squad trials. Um, for me, it's just nice to have a deadline and something to work towards because I was just basically increasing in body weight. And just trying to beat Alan at hang snatches. That was basically all I was doing for probably the better part of like three months. Because I was like, doesn't matter what I weigh for this. There's no, there's, there's no, you know, there's no, there's no Sinclair. There's no bodyweight categories on Instagram with Alan. So um, having a focus is nice. I've now got into the mode of just trying to make everything sharper and just trying not to hurt myself. Because I didn't warm up properly about two weeks ago. And I thought I'd popped my fucking hip again. And it wasn't actually that bad. So I'm just trying to not do anything stupid, stupid yeah. for the next three or four weeks, for the next three weeks. And then after that, I'd make no promises. <laughs> That's good though, man. I know what you mean. It's like, it's, it's, I was looking at some of these online comps and even though I, I keep laughing and joking with a lot of guys in our chat group that I'm retired, but it's, um, it, it is quite tempting to sort of like 
pay the pay the fee to join Baller again for another year and just get a few of these online in. So because I got I got a funny feeling, even though not to go, not to go down the COVID route because I know we've done that enough bloody times. But even with the way everything is going to be, I reckon we're going to be seeing a lot more online comps this year than we're going to be seeing yeah. physical ones. Oh yeah. I think it's a good there. way to get people into it. Like, it's a good, like if you think loads of CrossFit comps, like what um, I say, CrossFit comps, like stuff like Turf Games, uh, National yeah. Fitness Games, loads of different stuff they do, or the CrossFit Open. Like, how much money do they make off of that? Like, oh, good, yeah. it, it's a it's a good way for I think a lot of federations to get people into it, especially when people will have home gym setups left over, or they don't want to have to drive to a comp, but they can do an online one. And the only yeah. rule is, oh, you can use it to qualify, but maybe you don't rank, or you can use it to qualify, but you just can't break a record. Like that, yeah. that'd be brilliant. You'll get so many more people wanting to yeah. compete because of that. Yeah, because for me, I think the, and I know it's no one's fault because obviously the restrictions of the uh, the lockdowns that came in and the timing of it, because I think you were as pissed off for me, you were perhaps actually more pissed off for me than I was, but where I, I lost that opportunity to do the Europeans um, just through the nature of the, the timing of the lockdowns. It's like, right, I, I feel like I need to, get that sort of like that little nick off my back now and just get it done so i may i may or may not try and put a total up that will qualify me for the europeans in my garden or yeah because they've extended it haven't they so you can still do they've it. extended they've extended the worlds but the world that total, was it yeah what well, i've got the world's total if i want it but it's one of these things as well it's the um Fuck no no don't that. get don't get all humpty with me it's, <laughs> i don't think I've, I, I don't think i've got enough time to get myself into you think the you are same way <laughs> yeah just big round shape yeah the the, yeah. Top, the the shape that i was in pre-lockdown even i think even alan had messaged you saying if i don't clean 150 what the fuck um yeah. but um i'm 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 not where i was snatching that rhythm still there but the, the clean i'm still to be fair in, in a positive way like even you've said it like my clean's actually looking a lot lot better so I just need to keep punching through on that. And I think the Europeans is a little bit further down the line. So I might have another month just to keep pushing that through. And when I'm consistently hitting like 140, 145 again, then it's like, right, comp time, get qualified. Let's see what can happen. But right now, I'm not trying to put any pressure on myself by rejoining Baller and trying to jump on comps that currently I can't try and do in the garden. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's the frustrating thing. I'm pretty sure my neighbours would really appreciate me and my garden in my singlet. <laughs> in the pissing rain or snow so but no that's good man it's good the fact being that you've, had, you've, you've now got something to push towards that must have sort of helped you level up quite easy well yeah I think like because obviously the first thing that everyone does I think in my weight class it's like we all compete but we're not I think as mean to each other so it's what me me Edmund Jack maybe Ed Smell I'm not sure so all of us kind of talk to each other so I think so we've all kind of had a chat and kind of been like, oh, like it's a bit disorganised. Oh, I can't be bothered. Are you going to do it? Well, yeah, we have to, don't we? So I think everyone kind of knows we're all going to have to do it together. So it kind of like makes you mm -hmm. kind of actually think, oh, well, no, I'm going to have to compete against them, even if it's not in the same room as them. So it does, it does make a massive yeah. difference. It makes How is that working? Is that going to be, is that live or is it recorded and ended? Um, so I think not everyone's got the good fortunes of having kit in, even if it's in a garden like you or um, having, like being able to get access to their facilities where they rent it like I do. I think some people are literally going to be like in some places on the sly. So they've done it where it's, it's virtual, but it's recorded. So then like the videos just go up and then they judge them separately. Also, can you imagine if like you did the English, but it's on zoom. So you've got 50 odd people yeah. on there. It just creates. Imagine doing the English and the, the Bobby's pop into someone's gym. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're you're there halfway through a snatch and you go, what are you doing? So I just need another, I just need half an hour. Just just leave me for half an hour. You see him standing in the back like that, waiting to take you off after your last cleaning job. Yeah, can you just, can you just give me 10 minutes, mate? <laughs> so that's good. That's very good then, mate. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes and how you're going to be able to push forward for it as well. So... Um, right, so obviously moving on to the sort of the, the main branch of what we're going to be discussing today is like we've touched upon sort of like Bulgarian stuff in the past, a tiny bit of Russian and other bits and pieces. But obviously one of the the other great spectacles that people are always finding massively interesting is the the Chinese lifting system and how they do things and how their coaches function, how the training rooms and halls function as well like that. My understanding of what I've done is they came to the party quite late in the world of weightlifting and did what most things do with China. They try to dominate it as quickly as possible. I think, and you, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, is only what I've read. They did start off with quite a Russian style basis on their systems. A lot of their coaches went to Russia first and then off the back end of that, they've diversified and actually jumped into their own way of doing stuff and built their own programs. So, I mean, obviously, Alan, if you want to touch on it first, mate, like where you ended up, who you ended up with, and um, how long have you worked with them for? So I uh, I went to the Guangxi um, province with as part of a martial strength camp. Um, they've got the uh, world record holders like Zhang Huihua and Yu. Yuling might, might not be a world record holder, but she will be soon. They they are um, they were like one of the first schools from like I want to say the late sixties. The guy called um, Wu Shidi, uh, and that's sort of where they came from. But yeah, you're right. They they, they're quite open about that they take a lot. They were inspired a lot by the Russian system initially, the Bulgarian system, and they built off that. And that's where you got into the 90s and you started seeing the um, the big development. And then obviously the blow up in the, the early 2000s, especially on the women's side. Uh, so I went, yeah, I went to Guangxi and we, uh, we got to spend two weeks, just over two weeks being coached uh, twice a day. Um, and just getting uh, constantly beat with a stick. Um, <laughs> if, if positions weren't right, like you joke about it, but like they would just go, they just, they wouldn't whack you, but they'd give you a good tap on the back to make sure your back was engaged. They'd give you a little tap on the chin to make sure your head was up. Was that more uh, to do with a um, language barrier, the fact that they were doing that, or was it, or is that is just the, as we see it is the case? Uh, I, we, I mean, we went to the uh, one of the the the, uh, the schools, and they were still like giving them taps, like actual uh, sort of physical cues, as opposed to just talking to it. So, whilst there was a, a language barrier there, that was easily solved with Google Translate. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, they do. They're very tactile in their coaching. It's uh, like trying to, oh, like when you've got to open your chest up, like you see Lou doing. You're like super open with his chest so he can get as vertical as possible through it. But no, they, uh, I do like to think that I coach as close to being Chinese in England as you can get. So that's why that's where all my stuff's coming from. Hmm. And so, from a, a perspective at the moment, how much sort of do you feel that the, did it massively change your technique from what you started with to what you came back with? Yeah. So, the technique I went over with, um, was a little it was a little little sloppy i would say it was i mean it was about hitting the like the, the main position so on, on over the bar until you're right in it then 
hips and go pretty much. And then, uh, but then going over there and sort of the nuances that they taught about where your balance should be, where your focus should be, what muscles you should feel. And like everything was about, everything had to be done fast, but it had to be done right as well. So they were very big on making sure your quads were working, your lats were engaged, your like everything that nobody thinks about, they've thought about it and made it into their system. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the way I went about it. And that's where it sort of opened my mind massively was, okay, there's a million rabbit holes we can go down here just to get a few more kilograms from that 200 kilo squat you've got. Like we, we need to be snatching more than 110, 115 if we go going that. And that's the, uh, the standard they set. Is they yeah. they want every every ounce that you've got has got to be used for your competition lifts. Yeah, because I think I, I saw something once they were talking about that where they touched on like the limitations now of like where they're finding extra kilos and stuff like that, and it is almost the the, the breaking down of every conceivable part of what they're doing and how they're moving. It's like they're not really looking at like right you need to squat more now. You have to be more efficient here. You have to do this better. You have to level up on X Y Z. And then you, you, you see it in the results of their lifters. It's just that guys just shifting weight. That you just like, I think the walking proof, and I'm like, not to sort of cherry pick him, is Lou. They're like, the guy's almost the same age as me. It's like, and he's, and he's still an absolute, he's a master's lifter now. That's the scary thing is. is yeah. He's going he's gonna to reset. Every time he goes into competition, now, he's going to reset a master's world record as well as anything else. So it's, because um, he's like 36, 37 now. Yeah, he's 36 now. Yeah, so it's like, how is it's remarkable that he's still progressing the way he is with that level of attentiveness to mostly technique now and just keeping his strength where it's at. Yeah. So from the senior squad, that's sort of what, what you got is like, they push you until you were sort of like the 20, 26 years old. And that's sort of as, that's as strong as you're they, they think you're going to be. So it's all about then maintaining that strength. And then again, like we said, just, like creep out kilo here, kilo there. Mm. Um, so the big development for them, for the guys is sort of 16 to 23, 24 ish. That's when they massively push the strength work for them. But before that, it's all just pure technique and it's perfect. It's insane. You see these like little kids, like 10, 11 years old, crazy discipline work, doing working sets, like every 45 seconds and just training with intensity. You just don't see. Um, or you, I don't, I don't think you see it in English gyms. You don't see it in American gyms either. Um, but it's that's why they've got it's like fifty five percent of all women's gold medals ever won. Mm. It's it's obviously a very different system as well, um, due to obviously a little bit more state run. You can you can coach people like that and take over, let a sport take over their life in conjunction with whatever else they're doing at the time. So. How interesting was it to see that side of the coin, seeing like the youngsters coming through in bits and pieces? So, yeah, it, it is very state-run. Um, obviously, looking for gold medals, it's a bit a bit backwards sometimes in the way you think. But when you get to the uh, the senior level, they just ask you to be as professional as possible. And with the, even the younger lifters, they ask you to they ask them to ask them, tell them, pay them to be as professional as possible. If you're not, then you're not going to progress to the next level and you're going to go back and live in a life of squalor. Mm. And, you know, for kids like like Lou that came from the countryside, family probably wasn't very well off. They go, okay, we'll give you a million quid if you win, if you win an Olympics. It's, you know, it's a big driving force that. 
Because he was so a farmer. Yeah. What's that? His family were farmers, weren't they, I think? Yeah. Yeah, so that's that that in itself. You can imagine a picking on picking a kid out of our country showing that natural ability and go, look, you can you can live there in, in the ghetto type areas or yeah. a million quid if you want to work your tits off. Yeah, so that, I mean that you could itself is just crazy, crazy driven. Yeah, you could potentially compare it's like maybe taking someone from the East End and just saying, Oh, well, if you I don't know, win a, a Premier League champ or the if you win the premiership then we'll give you x millions like you can either go to life of crime and violence and live like poorly or you have this opportunity ahead of you because we think you can i was about to say that's the only parallel i can think of is premiership football like because rugby doesn't really have it whereas like like football academies in london are pretty much the same it's kind of like they grab you when you're a kid it's like that's going to be someone good get them in and let's see what they've got like it's also another thing to a certain extent with the, the medal side of things. Is we, a lot of the Eastern European countries and other bits and pieces like that, you do get, I've, I've only heard rumours, I've never had any of it confirmed, but it's like, if you win X, Y, Z, you get this. It's like Lasher, people say to me, like, why is Lasher not throwing around silly weight? It's like, well, he's probably getting a bonus every single time he breaks his own world record. That's quite a common thing, isn't it? Like in yeah, sprinting, why, I think why you not say just, Bolt got that. Yeah, yeah, it's like, why not just break your record by a kilo every year for the next five or six years and you are going to be as safe as houses, money well, that's ba- that's um That's what Sheezy Young's basically doing, isn't it? Because he's yeah. got, I'm pretty sure he's got like a 210 power um, cleaning jerk, but he's just comfortably breaking that one one kilo at a time. Yeah, and if you've got no one chasing you, where's the, where, there's like, the incentive is obviously the money, but you've not got, if Lasha had... I know we're going off piste a little bit. If Lasher still had um, the Iranian, who's the Iranian super? Uh, Badad, Badad Salimi yeah. and Ale Husseini. Yeah, if he, had, if he had those guys nipping at his heels, I think we would have seen a, a 230, 270 already. Well, I, I think you would have seen a fucking fight in the training hall. <laughs> for, yeah, quite that, honestly. Yeah, but that Olympics was fucking brilliant. That, that, oh, yeah. that, that yeah. last session was awesome because of that. Yeah. We need a little bit more of that in weightlifting to make it more exciting. But oh, it is an interesting... It is an interesting concept to like when these you look at these these countries like China that do give these rewards for your effort, and it, it's proven to bring some of these be- the best athletes in the world out. So, um, mm. so, so Marcus, to, to touch on your your sort of journey with it, so where did it all start, and how? I, I believe you were a little bit younger when you went, weren't you? Uh, well, a little bit, little bit younger. I was, it was only a couple of years ago. I went. So I've been um... twelve, mate. <laughs> Uh, when did I go? I went, I didn't go last year. I went the year before that. So I went 20, December 2018 and December 2019 or November, something around those times. So I went for, I went for two weeks, uh, both times in a row. Uh, one was 10 days, I think. Um, but ju- just check, Alan, you know the uh, age group of the guys that you went with? Not, not necessarily the people that came from abroad, the, uh, the, the nationals there. What was the age range that they were training? Uh, so the senior squad in Guangzhou, you had uh, Yulin Long, who had just been promoted, who was 17 at the time. So she was still potentially classed maybe not quite a youth, definitely a junior. And Zhang Guizhua was yeah. 19. So they like the senior uh, squad was decently like they 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 just I mean they were just on the uh, the verge of producing more of the national champion. So they were still pretty yeah. young. So I, th- I think you probably got to see more. I guess more of the S and C side of things than I did because the, the the guys that I was training with, again not the international ones, the ones that were living there and the, the regular kids. So they were, I think, from the age of potentially like 
six to about, I think oh, 16 yeah. was the oldest. So, you know, when you talked about the technique side of things, that was literally all I saw. And so it was just technique. So they, they split them up into groups. It was this massive, massive hall. And in the back left corner, you got all the really the youngest ones. And they were used, all they were using was this like tetanus ridden, rusty metal rod to do a shitload of technique work. And because, um, I mean, they, they weren't particularly strong, but holy shit, if you saw the move, like take GB's best lifter in terms of technique, that's exactly how every single one of them, it wasn't one of them, it was every single one of these kids was moving that well at speed as well. It was just unbelievable. Um, and then they've got, I think they basically placed them with who's lifting similar amount of weights on the bar. Um, and then you've got the heavier kids and then you've got like the four, I think 14, 15 year olds and they were weighing, I'm pretty sure they were weighing about 56 kilos, um, snatching 90 to 100, just over 100 kilos, um, and clean and jerking, I think, around 130 at the time, 140. And these were like fucking 14-year-olds. It was I've never seen anything like it. But as you said, it was literally, the discipline of it was just unbelievable to see. Yeah, I mean, like, they, it's, as you said, it was state um it was state driven, but the way they were living is it, it suits them quite well. So obviously they had their classes because it was a school where we were at. They had their classes, um, but they would have their three meals a day and train morning and afternoon as well. And it was just like the amount of volume that was being pumped into them was ridiculous. But because we were in like farmland, South coast of China, the meals that they would get, like their school meals had crab, uh, jellyfish and shit like that as just a regular school meal. Like it was the most nutritional thing I've ever seen in a school meal, whereas kids here like struggling to get a piece of bread. It was ridiculous. And it's like, it's no wonder these kids are so well developed and like the amount of volume that they go through from the age of eight years old. It's like, if you can survive the training that they put you through to, and get there till you're about 18, you're basically invincible. Like you can literally, you can genuinely survive anything because there's so much workload put through you. It's ridiculous. It's quite yeah, so a common system that as well. When you look at like the Russians, the Bulgarians and stuff like that, it is very much a, <clears throat> you start with 45 lifters and then eventually it just whittles down to your yeah. top 10. But I mean, uh, if, if, you, yeah, if, you, if you take into account landmass, they've definitely got the numbers <laughs> to like, <laughs> yeah. if, if, I mean, if one breaks, they've got about another 10,000 to step in and take the place. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like with like some of the teams you watch, like um, who's the guy who went to America, Norik Vardanian? Was he yeah. Armenian? Well, you look at Armenia, like Armenia had some good lifters, and I think they might still have. But like you look at their training center, it's like it looks like a, an empty room in a spa where they've thrown some mats out. There's oh, like it's five of them. Shed, mate. It's, it's like five or six of them. And even um, Ian, I don't know if you remember him. There's that Greek guy who used to. He went in. He was. He went through the Greek weightlifting system when it was basically shot, and he came to lower afterwards. And like when I asked him, like, oh, what was it like? Like, was it you know because Pyrrhus Dimas came through your system sort of after he came from Turkey. And I was like, what was it like? And he said, mate, it was basically just me at that point. He's like, it was so it was boring. Mm. That's why he quit. Whereas you go to China, it's literally like there is someone who's going to take your job if you don't turn up and do it properly. Yeah. Like if you don't turn up on your day, then there's someone who can just come take your job. Whereas mm. in a lot of other systems, I think it's like uh, they don't always have that. But I think that's maybe where they kind of because you're fighting for milk at the end of the day, though. you are fighting for wasn't there, and I'm pretty sure this is a case of like there was a a, a Chinese lifter that came through the system and he saw, I don't know if it was Lou in his first Olympics. And he said he was sitting there on TV watching a video of Lou 
training, doing other bits and pieces, and then like eating and recovering. And he was like, oh, like he's a weightlifter and they get all that food and all that. I want to be a weightlifter now because I can do all that for my family and my family can get all these food. You can't beat that. It's like the old adage of like, you look at boxers or fighters, MMA fighters, like there's no rich posh boy fighters or MMA fighters. It's, everyone tends to come from the, to pick one from our country, like Darren Till. Like the, the guy's a fucking freak, but he's an angry kid from the streets of Liverpool. Like you can't beat that out of someone. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting when you do see this. It's, it's, it's that character though, isn't it? It's like, oh, if you, you had everything given to you on a plate, you just, you just don't know what it's like it to work hard. Yeah. You, you don't know how to work hard, put it that way. And it also just the discipline to actually just grind with something. You just, you just don't have it in you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, still, it's not something you can teach. It's not something you can buy. It's just, you're just born with it in a situation. That's what it is. Yeah, it's just graft. It's one of these things you learn it from an early, early age if you're lucky enough to be... <laughs> I think it, if you're lucky enough to pick up a sport in this country, that's where you get it now. Yeah. Um, obviously, myself and Chris coming from similar backgrounds is like there's nothing more like soul-destroying than dragging your ass out into a field in the pissing rain and doing, doing scrummaging drills for t- five hours. It's just nothing yeah. worse. It's like that. So it's like oh, you learn yeah. to like grind it and get through it. And it, it, unfortunately, like I think with weightlifting, we, we haven't really got that in this country yet at an no. early age to help kids understand that this ain't going to be easy. You're just not going to have a hundred kilo snatch tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it's quite an ironic sport. I mean, if you look in England or like most first world countries, so what, England, America, Arab Emirates, like places where it's popular, right? It's basically just, I think, I remember, I can't remember who said it, but they were saying it's like, you basically just have like lots of quite like rich, middle-aged, like white guys doing it because it's like, it's, mm. it's quite a, like an affluent thing. It's quite like, it, co- it costs quite a lot for a CrossFit membership. Right? And that's where you're mostly going to get people get into weightlifting. Yeah. Whereas you go to like, like Egypt, I had enough, I was like fortunate enough to coach someone and talk to them about Mohammadi had the Egyptian system because that's where they came from. They were friends with him. And they said, like, it's basically like boxing. It's a poor person sport in Egypt because you don't need much money to start it. Same as in, like, a lot of other countries in kind of, like, the Middle East or in, in different places. It's very rare for it to be, like, this really rich, affluent, flashy sport. So when you bring it to a country, I find it really weird that, like, it's a really expensive sport to be a part of here. But if you were in another country, then it's basically... If you're poor, you can go do weightlifting or boxing, and it's like you can do you can do fighting sports, or you can do weightlifting. It's really weird. No, you're you're right, mate. It is a it's such a niche sport as well. It's it's a, it's a hard one to sort of get across. I mean, I had um I don't know if you've had the same experience I did when I tried to get in touch with my old school and said, look, I just want to come in and do just chat, like just talk to someone about weightlifting. Oh God, no, someone's going to get hurt. I'm like what talking about it mate i remember when I, we used to have not necessarily pe but if you'd go into like the store cupboards in the in the pe rooms and things like that the heaviest dumbbell that'd be in there is like five kilo because yeah. the world is convinced that if a child touches weights they're gonna like get osteoarthritis there and then on the spot it's a load of it's our, our healthcare and education system around sport strength and conditioning about anything weight related or basically just making your body strong and robust is is a joke it's pathetic Unless you get into an academy system like myself, Chris and Ian have been in, then like I, I remember being part one of like uh, 13, 12, 13, but I was the only person in my whole year group that was actually going to the gym mm-hmm. to like to actually get to get stronger and get faster. And there's just nothing else like that. So, yeah, I started going to the gym at like 16 and I was one of four people in the entire year that, that used to go to the gym. It was it's ridiculous. 
you know, I think back to you about the uh, the kids though, Marcus, and something they I noticed was they did a massive amount of GPP. Yeah, huge. Every every Thursday was like track days. They had they had hurdles, they had all kind of tra- uh, sprint drills and things like that. And then when they weren't in lessons, they had they had basketball going on, they had football, javelin. They literally had the most random sports, but works a treat though, doesn't it? Oh, it does. But the thing is, it's, it's an interesting one as well, because if you look at the Russian system or the USSR, um, Yorick, uh, Yarik Vardarian, I can never pronounce his name properly. Yorick, 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 got it right. Yorick, no, Yorick. was also, obviously the Russians hand out to most of their top flight athletes, you are a master of XYZ sports. I think he walked away with a master's of volleyball, jumping, weightlifting. All it, volleyball. It was volleyball, no, no, it was, right. Yeah. He was jumping as well, I think. And he's like... That guy had some serious, crazy hops. And like, there's some good, there's some crazy videos of him just jumping over pummel horses like a fucking frog. But a lot of these guys, when you do look at the top, top, top end guys, the amount of other sports they were messing around with at the same time is, is like, you'd, you'd think it would be the polar opposite. You'd be like, right, a very specialized sport. We will just concentrate on this very Bulgarian, very this. But in fact, it wasn't. It was, they were doing loads of other stuff in their off seasons which is quite interesting from my perspective. Not that you're going to get me ju- jumping at any point soon. Yeah, that's something we neglect. We seem to neglect, in my opinion, anyway, is that like when you're a kid, and def- you definitely do this in America, like you play a sport that's your sport, mm-hmm. then you don't then go and do like a million other things. Like it's, I know it's not really rugby, pushed they, to school, is it? They, no, they were like, when I played rugby, they were like, okay, you play rugby, that is what you do. Like we don't want to see you playing for like, school football teams and stuff like that. So then you miss out on quite a large, or what could be quite a large part of general development because it's not being pushed at a, a younger age. Yeah, I found yeah. it interesting when I was when I was younger, I, I played, it makes me giggle more than probably most, I played badminton to quite a high level as well as rugby. But it, it allowed me to actually have, for a prop stroke hooker, very good footwork. Like my feet, I could step and move when other props, it wasn't known for props to be stepping. So it's like, you're absolutely bang on having that little bit of diversification into other areas of different sports, even yeah. like swimming, gymnastics, like quite a popular one now right around my area is parkour and stuff like that. The ability to do things like that, it's, it's huge in the development of an athlete. Like I had um, Chris near, I know you, you boys never got to meet her, but Lucy, my athlete, she came from, diving at a national level. She then fa- she found a way into free running parkour and stuff like that. Then then came into weightlifting and the girl was just a freak. She could do shit that you just sit there and go, how in God's name have you just done that and not died? And it all came back to the robust, the robustness of doing all those other sports first. It's like, I, I have mental battles with throwing certain weights over my head. This girl used to jump off a 10 meter diving board. It's like, she was one of the most fearless lifters I've ever seen. And like, the amount of times stuff like the videos, I've still got them somewhere of her just getting absolutely obliterated by weights, but yet just up, scrubbed herself off, kept on again. Because to her, diving off the 10 meter board and doing God knows how many somersaults was more terrifying than a 40, 50 kilo snatch. It's like, it was, I just couldn't get my head around it. Yeah, it's just all from a, a, also a skill acquisition side of things. It's you just like, as you know, you can't teach a, a, was it an old dog new tricks? Is that the saying? Well, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's one of those, like if you, if you straight away just go pick up weightlifting, you can probably do it when you're younger, 
But if you haven't got if you haven't got a range of background sports, if you if you don't know what it's like to essentially solve physical puzzles, not like a crossword, if you don't know how to move your body to solve a problem, like problems that you get in rugby, in tennis, in badminton, just moving your body through space, picking up a barbell and moving this inanimate object with your body, then switching your body off to pull yourself under it, under it, then switching it on to lock it in place. It's just, it's it's one of the hardest skills you can learn. Oh, it is. Without a shutdown, man. You, you, you hit the nail on the head there. And I, I experience this a lot with a lot of the Masters athletes that I deal with. I don't know if Alan dealt with a lot of Masters, but they, they're like, why can't I do this? And I'm like, well, you're 45 years old and you're trying to pick up one of the most complex sports in the planet outside of gymnastics. They're like, oh, I said, yeah, you've got to think of it like that. You can't beat yourself up about this. It's going to take a little longer because the learning curve for you is 50 times harder than it is for an eight-year-old child. And I've, I've literally, I've, in the space of an afternoon, I've coached kids and masters. And it's, it's the kids are just like that. They just absorb it, two or three goes, they get it. And then the masters lift up. It just takes that much, much longer time. So you are right, especially ones in like, Chris will know who I'm talking about, but I dealt with someone who... It was doing incredibly well, but she had no very little sporting background at all coming into weightlifting. And that, that the body awareness that she didn't have was her biggest issue, just to understand how to move the body, how it functions and stuff like that. And it, it's something you, you, you can up. obviously get them strong, can't you? But it's the, the coordination. Yeah, a squatting pattern or a pulling yeah. pattern is one thing, but actually Simple. throwing a barbell. You, you, you break our sport down to what it basically is. You're going to take a bar, you're going to throw it into the air, and then you're going to jump underneath it. It's just that, that it happens in a, there's no other sport and people argue that is as fast either. Like what we're talking reactional times of like one to two seconds and the list over. Like people, uh, and I'm suffering from this now, it's as I'm getting slightly older, I don't react as quicker. And I'm finding it harder and harder and harder to be able to do the things I did last year, let alone a couple of years ago. So it's one of these things, as you get that much older, you do get that much slower. And it's, it's, that's why you tend to see masters lifters doing more powers, split snatches and stuff like that, because it's less demanding. And you haven't got to think as fast. Well, yeah, there is like research to show that I think like your actual like just your absolute speed and reaction time does go down mm. as you get as you get old. I think it's like your maximal strength. And uh, what's the other one? I think it's like your acceleration, basically your agility, like your actual like rate of force moment can be maintained for a lot longer. Which yeah, is why you see like which is why you see like rugby players like well like um who is it um. I don't know if anyone remembers him. Uh, absolute left of field shout. But uh, London Irish and Samoan winger Taggy Fappenbau. Yeah. So lastly, literally played from like God knows what age in England till like he was into like late 30s. Same as um, uh, Rabini from um, Leicester Tigers yeah. played for Fiji. They all play quite late. And they're not the fastest players, but they're powerful and they have good feet. So it's like because you can hold on to your power and your strength and your actual agility for a little while. And I think that's maybe what you're seeing with Lou. Lou is not lightning fast he's fast enough to get in the rebar he's not he's more than strong enough to do all the weights he's lifting he's mobile enough to do it and if you look at like um you know every now and again they put up little clips of like all of his weird prehab stuff like doing bear crawls and the medicine ball stuff like he's got the structural compliance so that his body accepts no we can still do that we'll hold ourselves together so like he may never snatch over 170 or clean and jerk over 205 ever again but he's he's going to be able to stay in shape to do that i reckon for the next year or two and it's basically going to be how long do you want to keep doing that for like i think he'll be the oldest person to perform at that at that level for a very long time i mean pe- partner that with a damn near perfect bar pass you can't really go wrong yeah well i think yeah, it's the vardanians who've got maybe the same bar path as them and that's it yeah. like three people in the world who've got that bar path 
Yeah, and Louis won. I, I'm if I might I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure Lou wasn't actually recruited to the Chinese system to be a weightlifter. Um, he was a sprinter first. He he was a sprinter, yeah. and Liao Liao Hoi was a gymnast. If I remember that rightly, that was the other one who got recruited late. Liao Hoi. So and they both they, didn't want to be weightlifters, did they? They didn't want to do yeah. it. They but again, they're coming from that having the broader like body control mm-hmm. and having other having learned other things and knowing and your body understanding how to learn something new and being in that sort of prime age to do it. Like it just transfers over so good. Uh, so yeah, you got like two world record holders there that are beautiful examples. And that's something I, I noticed that when I was in China was that they were all in the same compound. Like you had uh, the, the gymnast, the track and field, the, the badminton, the uh, basketball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all, I think the only ones that weren't on the compound that I was on were, uh, were swimmers, but like them and all the weightlifters, they all lived, in the same vicinity so the coaches could always keep an eye on maybe cherry pick okay well this kid isn't doing so hot in gymnastics but he's got a lot of potential to be an amazing weightlifter or you know they all are doing weightlifting anyway if they're S&C yeah so from what from what I was made aware of when I was over there as well that's a relatively well when I went over there it was relatively new I went over in 2017 um and my misses amazingly um but yeah they they'd only just started introducing the s and c work then you know the the extra bits that you see in of the uh you know the the single leg rdls the like the band stuff the the farmers walks that the like the extra one percent whereas a lot of i know me in particular like we're focusing more of like the accessory works like it's your rows it's your presses because they've done all that for so long their one percent is not that anymore. Their one percent is making sure okay, we can get another kilo out of you if your hips don't shift as much. So we're going to do these RDLs to make sure your your hips stay square or whatever reason they've come up with for justifying the exercises they're doing. I'll tell you it's what, working. That's, yeah, that's probably a, a an an age thing because what the camp that I was at, they weren't doing anything that specific. So they had they had a lot of S and C. They had your basic pulls, your your squats, and things like that. Single leg work, a lot of ab, a lot of ab work actually. That that shit hurt. Um, but they didn't have these fancy single leg RDLs. They didn't have all the, as you said, the one percent work. So I, I I'd assume they probably introduced that a little bit later on. Yeah. So from what I saw, I got my, got to look at one of the younger schools. We there was three schools. There was a senior squad, which was like seventeen plus. If you wanted to, if you were good enough anyway to be there, and that's where all that was happening. But even at the at the uh, the the eight to six, eight to fourteen is probably where I was, I'd say more of like the handstand push-ups, the, yeah, the pull-ups, the behind the neck pull-ups, the yeah. insane amount of back extensions and sit-ups you had yeah. to do, and side bends and your twists. And- did you ever? Did you ever the luxury of uh, experiencing the the Chinese good morning? The uh, unless you describe it to me, potentially. Um, it was fucking brutal. So if you if you imagine just a regular good morning. Yeah, but as you're coming up, rather than just doing a simple hip extension movement as you're coming up, you produce as much lumbar and thoracic extension as possible. So rather than it being a regular oh, hinge, yeah. it's yeah. a serious arch, and it, it was the most painful thing I've ever put my back through. Yeah, they were like they were super like when I was they were super detailed about the way you did everything. Like, yeah, there was a specific yeah. way to do a back extension. There was a specific way to hold it. There was a specific way your shoulders were. They wanted your shoulders to move. In the pull downs, um, I remember doing the. Uh, I, I was doing tricep extensions and some bicep curls, 
on a Saturday because we were go, we were going to go out to eat. Wanted to get a pump on. It's Saturday. <laughs> it's, it's if it's Saturday in China, it doesn't matter. It's Saturday somewhere. Well, you made, you made it your wife, so it worked. <laughs> That's what it was. Got, and they and then the coach came over to me. Coach uh, Lobing was a name, and she was like, and she was like, no, you're doing them wrong. And then she's like, this is this is how you do them if you want them to transfer to weightlifting and to transfer to your lockout. I was like, I mean, okay. I was just doing it to get a pump, but if you're telling me there's a, a correct way or a better way to do this for weightlifting, then I'm all is. And that was it. That was it right across the board. It was, like I said before, the attention to detailing everything, everything we've not thought of, they have thought of. Yeah. They've thought about it 10 times longer than we could imagine. It's quite an Asian thing though as well, I think from a, a, a way they're made up as people is there. The attention to detail and everything that they do is at a, a level that we can't even comprehend at. Yeah. So you'd expect the same sort of thing to go from there. It's, it's quite interesting you say about the the, the latest stuff of S and C coming through. I've got a guy I used to train with at Bethnal Green, who's now um, I was going to try and get him on, but it was it was too late. But he's uh, an S and C coach out there currently working with the weightlifting team. Um, he's a absolute beast of an American guy. Sorry, Canadian, it's Canadian or American? I can't quite remember. Oh, I think I know. Um, Tommy. He, he posts a lot on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's he's a top top bloke, but he was in uh, basketball originally. And then he's he's now gone over and done some stuff with the weightlifters and a few others. So I was sort of like messaging him, going, "Look, any chance you can hook me up with some stash? It'd be, it'd be awesome to get some kit and stuff." But um, yeah, same with him and another guy, um, Lee Otley, who's a, a local ex weightlifter and coach who's got a CrossFit gym. He was um, S and C coach for the uh, hand handball team. Yeah, and he did a bit of work with the GB handball team during 2012. And from what I've touched based on both of them is that the, that's the, the big route that they are pushing down now. That's where they feel where these extra kilos are going to come from is this yeah. bit, these little bits of extra work. And I think we, I think recently is when you've seen quite a bit of technology start to pop up in certain training halls as well, which you've never really seen before with the Chinese. They've got little bits of kit that are like almost... Yeah, like, like that. They had the... Xi Young was on that 3D uh, core testing machine, wasn't it? Yeah, so I, yeah. I, just, I just got a funny feeling now you're going to their next it's going to get more and more like sort of like a robotic there's going to be they're going to start leveling up on different areas now like it's, it's going to be a very interesting progression especially around not that i want to point fingers at china because they have got a past in it but as it's going to get harder and harder to dope you're going to see them countries like china russia people like that pushing more down these other routes to try and eke out this these, these top level I don't, I, don't, I don't think i think china and japan I think I'd, they're not going to get caught. I think Japan still haven't been caught, and China. I think they've only ever really been caught with like, like masking agents and stuff in it. I don't think you're ever going to. You had the big Stanos pop in 2008. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. You had I about eight they... people. Yeah, it's the reason Liao Hui. Oh. It's the only reason I know about it. There was about eight of them, including the girls that all got popped from. It was, might be just before. Might I'm not sure if it was 2008 or if it was the year after 2009. They got popped. I think it might have been the world's after. Yeah. I, thought, I can't. It was. I can't imagine it was the same year. Their own Olympics. No, well, got, no, got it, got no it would have been 2009. Yeah, the whole country got a slap on the wrist because the IOC mm. kind of went, "Look, guys, you are you're about to host the Olympics, but you are so also the biggest producer producers of yeah of, of pets in the entire world. <laughs> you need to kind of stop doing this now, or you won't get the Olympics." And they kind of got the Olympics. So again, oh, I, yeah, I, that's. That's why I think what you're saying about being big producers and like synthesizers of like different drugs, I think that's why you won't catch them because they'll 
you know the testing procedures they've got to come from somewhere so if you're making the drug and then you give the testing procedure for it coming from china then like yeah then you go oh right well okay here's the testing. they they basically know the the cheat code yeah (laughs) i know the cheat code for their process drug testing works and you've got to know what you want to look for they're probably yeah. they could potentially be at a stage now where they're looking at they got bespoke pharmaceuticals yeah so if she, if she, the thing yeah. the thing with that process in itself is like eventually someone's going to come up with the test and find it and that's the problem do you know what i mean oh, yeah. well, without sounding too shifty like i think there's like even listening to some powerlifters talk like different stuff like um like designer peptide combinations and stuff like if you just change one molecule or one joining then you now can't detect it again like there's stuff like that and like china is one of the places where they've literally found them growing children and genetically modifying them that's where i so think it's quite so it's like if they know how to if you know how to do that it's going to be like well we can try and limit the amount of doping that goes on but if that's what's now bleeding into the world there's only so much you can do unless you're going to do the um the gene passport with every single person as soon as they get into the chinese system and even then, like, there'll be a way around it. I don't know what it is, but... Oh, there's always going to happen. Simple as that. Yeah. So, with China, we're pointing at China here, uh, are, you, are, you, are we all assuming that there is some pharmaceutical enhancement to all of the national level lifters? At one um, point. At one point um, or another. So, within what percent of what their lifters are doing, do you think the next person isn't doping... So, do you think as she's young, snatches one sixty six? Is it possible to do one fifty without whatever he takes, or? or I, I think he... it is. I, I think, think it is, but you have to be in the same system as them. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to have that yeah. system for a natural. Because like us saying, "Oh, we'll snatch one fifty one day," we might be able to do it, but not weighing what he does because we don't have the background that he does. If we'd all, all four of us had started when we were twelve, gone through the natural version of the system, yeah. or the Chinese system as a natural, yeah. if it would work. And then we come out the other end and then we actually have that whole thing of Xi Jinping's done this, assuming he's done drugs and you've not done drugs and you've got this, then you can make an actual comparison. But I think it's too hard because like comparing what someone does in their garage in Manchester or what someone does in a fucking storage unit in, you know, in London, who've been lifting for like six or seven years compared to someone who's doing it for their whole life as a professional is really difficult, man. You can't having, having seen what they go through, I, I can honestly say I don't think... The majority of them are on it because it is just is. absolutely phenomenal having seen what they've done like i i can describe it to you as best as i can but i, I literally cannot convey how unbelievable it is they go from like six years old doing this ridiculous amount of work I i'm sure alan you probably have the similar similar views to yeah 100 percent. like going over there i was like i i had my doubts but then when i went over and i saw I got to see everything from the like I got to see everything from from the six years old to the people that had won the world champs, and to the guys that were potentially going to win Olympics. I, I I came away thinking, you know what? If there's a system that isn't doing it, it's this one. Yeah. Because of yeah. how immaculate everything was. It's an interesting one because I look at it from a different. I, I agree with him what you're doing with the the way that they're running the system does is and does produce these guys to a very very top level. But the the bigger questions for me is it's the longevity of these lifters. If you were to take average lifters and put them through the same thing, it's the durability of being able to come in every day and train to those levels to get to that what it is. So, for example, if Chris was able to start at that age clean all the way through and lift those weights, it's a case of the way I look at it is like he would be able to do it, but he would not be able to do it as consistently all the time. 
And that's, that's the kicker there for me. It's the case if you look at Lou, you look at some of these other guys, and the, the, the question mark for me is that you guys have been able to get to here and stay here and slowly chip away at it more and more and more um, over, well, I mean, how long has Lou been lifting now? When yeah, well, he's been doing it since two thousand four. Yeah, so it's like that longevity. That's that's my only grey area. It's like Maybe, you've managed to stay at the top for that long, like four Olympic cycles. Like you look at any of these top Olympic champions that have managed to stay over four to five Olympic cycles, and look at the the amount of them that have tested positive. But sort of the the one but also the performances. Yeah, so Oscar, Oscar, Oscar Figueroa went to one, missed out on a medal, went to a second one, blew out his shoulder because he was fucked, went to the third one, finally won, then went to Worlds the year after, but was nowhere not touching what he did at the Olympics. Like, yeah, I do think, yeah, but I mean, if you look thing. at if you look at Lou, and we are talking about he is one of the older ones, how many times, like in the last eight, 18 months and two years now, with the new system, he like a lot of competitions, he was only he only he'd only snatched 160. And then it was only the worlds, really, that he actually geared up, like geared up, actually trained intensely yeah. for, yeah. and and got his his was like one seventy one two oh seventy with um, the year before was the same. Like there are certain competitions that matter to them, and the rest of the time they have well, a very he's... very strict off season, on season, winter training, summer training sort of split. Oh, it is. You can you can see the fact being obviously the new system. It is you've got to cherry pick, especially with the new way that they're doing stuff. And if they keep that up, I'm I'm a big fan of it. I think it's gonna it's gonna help massively across the board on the sport. But you do have to now seasonalize your sport a lot more, whereas before you didn't have to, and you could take those longer breaks because that's that's the interesting one as well. When you do look at the longevity of the guys that were lifting, you could afford to take more time off and recover, whereas now you can't. And I mean as much as I am a huge fan of him, Ilya's walking proof of that, where he tried to come back and then was forced to compete every three to four months and he just fell apart. Yeah. He couldn't do it clean. But I think he, not to talk for him, I think that's a bit of a, I remember Chris, didn't he say in one of Seb's podcasts that it was like, he felt the need to be injected because it was such a, a normal thing for him to be injected. It became almost a um, placebo effect for him. Like him not doing it was odd. And yeah, he, I think it's the Well, there's the interview, then there's what Seb says, like, about living with him. And he just said that anything that was pharmaceutical was seen as good. So, like, if he could have um, intravenous hydration instead of actually taking some electrolytes, drinking water, if he could have, um, if he could have um, some kind of, like, heavy doses of painkillers instead of just taking paracetamol or, like, you know, going to bed earlier, he'd take it. And it was just that whole thing of... Because you said, well, I think the way he trained wasn't the case. Like, with the Chinese system and even, like, um, listening to... Uh, on the, I don't know if it's with Weightlifting House or if it's on Zach Tellender's podcast, but it's with all, it's with Zach, Seb, Max, and Gabriel Sincrane. Mm. Where like he talks about like he says he saw loads of guys um, from different teams all get to about the two hundred kilo clean and jerk mark, like around that mark, and then it was like they weren't getting past it, and that's like basically what he saw as being like that's the brick wall where everyone then started taking stuff, and it's like are you taking drugs to facilitate you being able to make your training system better? Or are you taking the drugs to facilitate the training system that is breaking you? Which I think is what Ilya was doing. Ilya was taking the drugs to facilitate his training system, breaking him into pieces. Whereas yeah. the Chinese system sounds very similar to the way that <clears throat> Gabriel and what sounds like the athletes decided to train because it sounds like they just decided on what they did from a certain point. It sounds like they facilitate they use the drugs to facilitate them training better rather than it being like we've got to take drugs because 
you know, coach Abhijay wants us to do this. It's a case that we need to take drugs because we can't recover from any more work and use our system to get further if we don't. Mm. I think that's the, I think that's the difference with longevity. Well, if you ever get to look at uh, Ilya's actual training, it was pretty much Bulgarian. Mm. Like he'd have a couple of days, uh, so like maybe if he was twelve weeks out, where he'd only go up to eighty-five percent for his power snatches, his push presses, or whatever. But then every 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 other day or every session was like snatch to max, clean jerk max, front squat max. It was waves as well, which is always quite interesting. Yeah. He'd wave up, wave down, wave up, wave down. Especially more, more well, only from what I've seen, like what that he showed us was more on snatches than cleaning jerks. Obviously, that's going to be a little bit more taxing, but it was always interesting to see him wave up and wave down constantly. Yeah, I mean that with that that is like the complete drastic opposite end of what the mm. the, the Chinese system is. They all very they're very much. Uh, okay, well, we're currently 16 weeks away from competition uh, or we're 16 weeks away from a big competition. We're going to spend a lot of time, 70 to 80% for our snatches, cleaning jerks and that sort of work and make sure and refine technique, make sure that's perfect. And we're just going to make stay on top of our, our pulls and our squats to make sure, and our, our support work uh, to make sure that we maintain strength and that when we come to practicing the heavy lifts, the technique is better and therefore the application of strength is then better as opposed to just, okay, how much, uh, how much dynable can, can we take in? So from that perspective of like, obviously we've all, we've all seen sort of like the, I would say the Chinese lifters are the most um, prolific at putting up the assistance lifts in the, in the, in the size of pulls and squats and other bits and pieces. Like how much of that were you exposed to and, from a perspective of sort of like training volume, how much was put on the emphasis of the squat, the pole? Um, and sort of, not to coin a phrase like from um, from Westside Barber, but special awareness exercises to a certain extent. If, well, from my experience being on, well, the senior squad is where I spent most of the time. So I'll talk about that. I'll let Marcus talk more about the, the, uh, the, the youth side and the junior side. But they was very rarely ever taken to max unless they were at like a super specific part of the, of the training cycle, it was, you looked at all of the squats, like, okay, well, they're doing sets of like three, four, five, and okay, it looks like there's still at least two more reps there. So they were still taking, they were still putting a lot of emphasis on, okay, we're not going to max if we don't want to abuse the CNS. Um, but then I would say they'd squat twice a week, pull twice a week, and then, do an overhead support, whether it's jerk support or snatch balances or something, twice a week as well. This is why I kind of have a belief that they could actually be natural because from the eight to let's say fourteen age range, every single session was you find you'd find a max, not necessarily of an Olympic lift, but if it was a pull or a squat, you'd find a max. Maybe it could be a, a volume max or something like that. And then you drop down and do a shitload of drop down sets after that. Yeah. So like their work capacity is phenomenal at that age. Like I'd, I'd finish off my snatches, my clean and jerks, and then probably some squats and maybe some pulls after that. I'll be, I was absolutely knackered. And they're like, right, you've got three sets of 20 reps of abs, three sets, 20 reps, hamstrings, three sets, 20 reps, quads. I'm, I'm, I'm there like dead on the floor. Like my session's already finished and they're basically demanding another session or what would be deemed over here as another session solely for accessory work. 
and they're doing it from eight years old. So they, they, they just build it because obviously you can recover better when you're younger. And if you're being fueled the way they are with the diet and they're, they're sleeping all the time, it's just like the work capacity you build up is ridiculous. And then, as you said, you know, as, as they get older, you said, sorry, mate, you, you said there's, they don't really go to max. I assume it's just because they don't necessarily need to, because like they can recover from absolutely anything they want to. Yeah. So it's, it's like a case of like, if you can squat 250 for five, like we don't need to, we don't need to go to max. You know, and that's what they, that's what they spend so much time developing um, at the younger age. Like, and like you said, the amount of volume they did, like, anywhere up to like eight back off sets after they worked up to like yeah. a maximum set of three yeah. or something. Like the volume they, like the kids endure and recover from is absolutely insane. And then like Marcus said, even the, um, it maybe wasn't like the accessory work was like never, it was never to, it was never to fail. It was always get a good pump or feel the muscle working. Maybe take it to like RAR three, four, maybe. You know, so there's always they're always looking at what can we what can we make them do, what can we make the lifters do, and then what can they recover from? Because that's what that's what we all we all know. It's like I wouldn't when it comes to that side of things and the periodization and the application of principles. It's like they don't know anything we don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just how they apply it and implement it to a state funded system is insane to see and observe. And that is the that's the, that's the difference. Like they, when it comes to that side of things, uh, we know everything they know. We just refuse to implement it in many cases that I've seen. I think also with us, it's it's the, the having the ability to imply it as well. It's, yeah, for, for us, it's, it's it's very hard. You, you look at obviously you two guys, and <clears throat> I seriously think Marcus as well in the future are all going to be involved in national setups as well. But we don't have that system from floor up. Mm-mm. And that's that's the bigger thing. If we, if we we can all sit there, dream, and sort of cross our fingers that me and Chris win the win the lottery one day, and we set up a national training center or something like that. But you look at it from like that beginner stage level, being able to have gotta be careful how I word this. Having kids sort of in that built-in society, not locked up, but like you've got control of these kids. It's basically like, a boarding school. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But having them from that concept all the way through, that we would produce world champions is as simple as that. But we don't. It's the, the philosophy in this country. I've always thought, especially with yourself, where you've been to the states as well. I, I think we've we've got a very backwards way of doing sport in this country. If we could adopt a more of an American model through through our primary schools, secondary schools, universities, yeah. colleges, stuff like that. I think you would see this country excel in so many fucking sports as retarded, but yeah, we don't have that ability to, to do it, to, to, to walk into a school or an academy school and go, right, I want to put a weight room in there. I want you to give me full access to your kids. We're going to train these types. The, the, the parents would, one, freak out. <laughs> Two, the teachers would freak out. You'd tell them, right, by the way, we're going to throw this amount of volume at them. They'd be like, well, they're going to, they're going to be so tired. They're not, and, it's that whole cultural society difference that is it kind I think, of I think England England as a whole is softer. Like from my experience, I've been being back and forth like between having being able to go to Japan a little bit when I was younger and knowing like my grandmother and our side of the family, and then going to like New Orleans and knowing like my cousins and stuff who did like NCAA sports. One of the um like my one of like I think he's my oldest cousin. Um, he, I think he would have maybe been able to go for the draft 
for stuff, but he's literally like the fucking shortest player I've ever seen. I don't know how he managed to play college ball. Right. It's a case of in China, obviously, it's a case of we're going to have a system in place. It's systematic from literally as soon as they can reasonably start training. We're going to find something to do that's going to basically start pushing them towards world records. In America, it's that whole thing of being like, right, if we're going to do this as an Olympic sport, we're fucking doing it properly. Like, as in, they're not going to have any half measures. I mean, look at when rugby became an Olympic sport. They went, right, well, we're going to set this up. You immediately had two or three tiers of team you could be on. You'd get funded even if you didn't play and you're on the third team. They, met, they opened up Major League Rugby and they started being like, you don't even have to play a full typical season length. You can come in three months, earn the same thing as you would in another country playing. And then, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think and it's I, the system type as well. Like, Alan, like what you're saying, you're saying yeah. where they save up all the GPP stuff. Um, like, it's almost like if you're not going to failure on it and you're doing it since you're younger, it's almost like it builds up like a bank account. Like yeah. you're just putting a little bit in your savings every time where when you've got someone who's like older, where like, for example, like I always use it, she's going to know I'm picking on her, but she's the best example. One of my friends from, um, from lower, she could snatch over her body weight, couldn't do a body weight push up, not even on her knees. Like for that person, you've got to do a lot of accessory work, but to failure, and you've only got four hours a week to train because you can only really train for four days a week because of your job. So it's like, if you're trying to make that person better or someone in that situation, a national champion, it's like, you've got, there's, you've, something's got to get skipped. So you've got to decide on what you're going to skip. And it's, it's, it's difficult when you've got to do that system because it's like, ideally, yeah, we do all these things, but... Sorry, mate. Well, yeah, but it's like, will you be able to get them to do them? Yeah. Like, that's some the people problem. just won't do stuff. That's yeah. the worst part, when someone just doesn't that, want to do something. My understanding was with, the, with anyone that's in a sporting school in China, this is something that this obviously helps if the government backs it. All of their families are financially compensated for having their child yeah. live away from home. Yeah, without getting shot by the Chinese government. Um, so it's like it's essentially everyone's on like a full ride scholarship yeah. for until they don't want to be anymore. When they don't want to be, what happens next is up for debate. But like there, there is like we have. I know we have professional clubs that offer scholarships from like the age of well in football from the age of like four. Mm. So there's def- there's definitely scope for it to be done. Um, if it's just it's just about getting the general education of like being a, being more physically active as a kid, yeah, is is going to be better getting that across the parents because, like we said before, it's all very backwards and no one really understands how beneficial it is until it's until we're our age and they go, oh, I shit, I should have been playing a couple of sports and going to the gym when I was. It's also the thing that when you, you talk about the scholarship thing, I think you're absolutely on point there. I think when you're you're getting into a sport at an early age, and then all of a sudden you're told, like me, Chris, and yourself probably were like, oh, if you do this, this rugby club might sponsor you, you might get this, or you this team are interested in you because of these reasons. So like even the professional level teams are not rugby's a bit different, I think, because you your your club connection to local teams are usually quite good through like the county setup and eastern counties and stuff like that. But you look at the you look at it from a an American football perspective for argument's sake, like the, the drop down from like D one school to that to the to the high school is it's there's almost a path put out for you. If you keep your grades here, you do well with sport here, you get to go to college for free. And like the price yeah. of college out there, I can, I, I'd have to remind myself, is not that dissimilar for a bit more than what we get in here. So your reward is a free education, but you get to play your sport. And then you get another shot if you're really fucking good to go to the, the top level of the game. Here, that, 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 that path is so not intertwined in the same context. Like you look at like, 
I've got I've got my, one of my best friends who's a physio at Tottenham. These kids aren't the education's not pushed on them. It's like you turn up for football training, you're here to train a football. There's no you can't do this unless you do that. So it's, do you know what I mean? It's, it's a case of like the, the whole the whole system's fucked. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the whole system. The professional club than it is about the progression of the athlete and the the like back in the day with like I don't know if it was the same for Chris. It's like if if I had gone fully through to different levels of university, if I was going to get uh, a, t- a chance to play for like, I know if my friends that went on to Saracens and Wasps, they had to be at university doing a degree as well as doing academy stuff for Wasps or Saracens or local teams like that. It was almost a, a given that you were doing one or the other. So at least if you came out of rugby, it was something for you to do. Whereas at football, there's nothing like that from my understanding. These guys are just literally cannon fodder. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very minimal for football. Yeah, the, the drop down for football is incredible. Though. Like even guys that play like top of non-league still get. I mean, they probably still need a part-time job being a spark or something. Yeah, but, like something a trade, I guess, would be a. Um, it's something they do. Is what I know other lads have done, um, but they like I knew lads that were playing at Runcorn, and they were still getting paid like 150, 200 quid a week. Yeah, I mean, so definitely out there. But like I say, it's. To bring it back to what we're saying, it's, it's you can't. If we could, as a country, compete at the same level with our youth athletes on the same concepts, I think we would produce as good lifters and athletes in other sport. But it's it's hard when you do you go away and you see stuff like you two have, and it's like you just sit there and go, "How the fuck are we going to beat that?" Yeah, have that we've work, proven we can do it. We've got like how much success in cycling and rowing have we had? Rowing's an odd one though because I think because the nature of the the nature of rowing is a little bit more upper class and you do find the majority of rowers come from not to, to pick on it as a sector come from the private sector of schools the amount of rowers that I know have gone on to who have been national level rowers or anything like that they've all been to a rowing university they've all been part of a rowing club it's, it's well funded it's very targeted it's very focused isn't it accessibility and stuff like that yeah. look at you can't you can't imagine and i know i might be sort of bastardizing this a little bit you can't imagine a, a local comprehensive in east london having a rowing team it's just, it's just like it's, it's one of those, it's a sad fact but it's one of those yeah. things the access to it is, is, is going to be harder for someone watching the the rowing at the olympics so i want to go to a rowing club and if you go up there and it's like well it's going to cost you, your parents this much to have you at the rowing club it's the same with like you look at like all the the elitist style sports like not and I'm going to probably piss on people because I don't think golf's a sport golf's one of them other bits and pieces like that that it's it costs so because I used to inadvertently was involved with some um, kids getting coached golf S&C and I would talk to their parents about it and the amount of money they were throwing out like just in kit and other bit I'm like Jesus and, and this is on the off chance their kid's going to make it and that was just golf. It was just, it was silly. So I, I wouldn't even want to think like from a rowing perspective. I think a lot of people's first access to rowing is if you've been lucky enough to go to sort of one of the more high end universities in this country is like, oh, do you want to come try rowing out? Used to, used to be a track athlete, come try rowing. Because I, I've got a couple of friends who, who ended up at Cambridge and they ended up doing that and going down that route. But apart from that, they would have never been exposed to it. And I think that's the problem with weightlifting as well. It's, it's such a niche, niche thing. It's like, I don't know about your school, your your school's weight rooms, but what I had in my school where I live now, we had a little shed that was just full of like bodybuilding kit. And if you were really lucky, you were allowed to go in there on your own. No instruction. I think my uh, my 
my secondary school had a had any weightlifting kit, like no dumbbells yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. So it's madness. And that's if we look at it from that, I think if, if we were to try and produce a <laughs> top flight lifter, that's where you're gonna see it come from. It's like um it's gonna be a case of early exposure. It's the it's like the um I messaged Chris, I think it was last week, week before. The young Canadian girl that Spencer Mormon from Cow Strengths. Oh yeah. Oh, she's gonna be really good. She's a I think it's Rory something on Instagram. Oh, like yeah. She's like technique is phenomenal or something, isn't she? And she's always wearing like a sleeve with like tattoos like that. You need to in our sport, you need to start then. If you if you want to genuinely be an an Olympic hopeful, not just like not to get to them because it's one of these things I think we can and we obviously do produce athletes that do make it to Olympics. But if you're gonna to want to bring a British athlete to the very, very top of the pile, we're gonna to have to find someone. I think there's like there's another girl on Instagram, I think it's Lily the Brave or something like that. Another young girl in this country that's yeah. so it's it's gonna be watching them progress and go through the system correctly under the right coaching, the right scenarios, and we'll, we'll see something. But yeah. in an ideal world, if, if I had my way and I was in charge, I'd be putting lifting halls in every county. <laughs> I, think I, just, I think I just want weightlifting to be more actually, like, actually fun. Because like, when, like, when you think about like, the way competitions run, like, there's not that actually many that opportunities to progress. So it's basically you go to your local comp, whether you actually win or lose a local comp, no one really mentions it. Like when you actually think about it, like think about it when everyone posts, they post their total, but they're not bothered about whether they win or lose or not. And then like divisionals, like, you know, when you used to have like open competitions for like Hertfordshire or Berkshire, London Southeast, London South series and all that, the London South champs, like they're not, they're not made into these big things that people want to do. Like because not a big deal is not made about them. Same as like, if you win the British, great. But then think about like, I mean, Alan will like attest to this and so will like Jamal and some of the others. The actual effort to go from just winning or trying to win the British and being good in the country to then having to go abroad, the mm. effort is so much larger for what feels like not as big of a return. Because like, if, if this was like three or four years ago and I was in this spot, I, I could literally just go, well, I could go and play at a fairly manageable standard of rugby and get more. But if you're looking at being like, you, you could get paid for it, you're going to have bigger crowds watching. It's going to be more novel. And I think you have to even that out because going to the English or the British and then being like, oh yeah, you've reached the top level of the sport you're probably going to reach. And it's like, oh, that's it. Like, it's not like that's as good as it gets. It needs to be like, I know that putting money into it so that you've got prize money and stuff isn't necessarily going to be there right now, but something has to be done to incentivize people to compete because otherwise people are going to keep going into the sport then dabbling and then going back to CrossFit. It's, it's, it's just education though, isn't it? It's because no one, no one really outs, unless you're from CrossFit, no one really outside of weightlifting knows about weightlifting. Yeah. Right? To make it more commercial is going to be the harder thing. I think it's one of these things where it'll, it'll take someone like CrossFit or for us, and it's been a subject where Tom Gibson's got an absolute hard on for. He, I think he must watch the Bundesliga like, back to back for hours because it's all he brings up with me sometimes but it, it will take I know years ago because I, I remember being in the, the first version of it Giles Greenwood brought out a almost a, a league of lifters of teams and at one point we got oh Christ in the, in the local area like the, the, the southeast loads of CrossFit gyms jumped on it <clears throat> all these other bits and pieces and there was like an actual proper lifting league it's going to probably take for us to create something like the Bundesliga system in Germany to bring some light on the sport. 
but then the problem with it as well as like, funny enough, Tom, I think when he, he sent me the, the, the message on Instagram about it, I think one of the guys, one of the media guys was on Baller's um, uh, IG feed and he said, what about it? And I just, I just don't think they're very keen on it because it'll be something for else for them to have to worry about and concern and then how to fit this in and, or, and already what is becoming on a normal scenario, quite a jammed up um, lifting calendar to a certain extent. So, you want to create a spectacle, but you want to give your best lifters the country spectacle to lift on. This would work, but then you need to peak them for all these other ideas. So it's trying to find something that would float underneath that that will bring some sort of spectacle. Like it'd be ideal if you could get it on TV. But on the, on the other flip side of it as well is that you've got to be very careful that you don't allow it to become like football did in like the nineties, where you just brought over European players. And all if we, because it, it, it's right because if you look at it like the Bundesliga, they do like some of the top teams in Germany are bringing Ehab and other people over. But what about your own lifters? So it's a case of like if you create something in this country, it's got to be for these country for the lifters in this country to get better and to be constantly testing themselves. So it's yeah, going to be think if some, something like that would need to be probably just below the like elite tier. So mm. like, the guys that are, go, are doing like top three, maybe top five that are British. If you had those guys, like not yeah. targeted them, targeted the guys just below that, and just mm-hmm. encourage encourage that because the guys that are top five, like I know how much it takes out of me to peak for a competition. So I imagine it takes similar amount out of the other guys as well. So that that would easily deal with the schedule. It's just like you said, just having people wanting to put it in place and it needs it needs like so, so it kind of almost needs like uh, the guy who came up with the Indian Premier League for cricket. You've just got, or is it the Jamaicans, the Jamaican one first? Like, I've got a shit ton of money. Yeah. Let's just do this yeah. and we'll publicize the shit out of it and we'll just go from there. But it needs someone with that kind of influence yeah. or that kind of idea to produce. Yeah. It. Like, it can work. Like, even in, like, I went over and got to compete with, um, uh, I don't want to get his name wrong, Alejandro Gonzalez. He's one of the Spanish lifters. He's the 85. Yeah. Um, and he's he runs a club um, out of Aaron Box. Uh, he runs basically the Aaron Pez club and they have a league where you can have one foreign lifter on the men's and women's team and you compete as a whole team the men and women get obviously graded separately but your t- both your men's and women's team go and compete you compete on like the madrid league then you go to kings and queens cup so that's like basically going from if you win your domestic league you then get to go and play the rest of spain so if you win your division it'd be like in the nfl you've done afc now you're going to play against everyone else and yeah. that works really well because you can literally you can have anyone lift in those squads and it doesn't matter if you have a full team or a small team all the totals and Sinclairs get added up and then you know it gets put forward but then they have Kings and Queens Cup and then a larger league on top so that then if you're on a team that's being that's representing Madrid you go against the whole of Spain but if you're in Madrid then you can lift in a league in Madrid mm. so it's kind of like almost I suppose more like the um the super rugby system so <laughs> yeah. you go from town to pro- town to region to province or however it is and then to yeah whole block and I think that's and it's harder in England because you then have to basically separate in like probably North London and South or North Midlands London and South yeah, I think the, the something way that, like that yeah the way work. that Giles put it together before was was very much sort of like your own gym and, it, and it, to be fair it was it was really successful I swear to God at one point there was a good 15-20 teams lifting in it and it was in, in my opinion my own opinion like it wasn't the way that they structured the point scoring and other bits and pieces like made it a little bit fucked up. Um, it could have been done a little bit more simpler in my opinion, but something like that would give us, 
even just to find a superstar out of nowhere, do you know what I mean? It's just like you're just going to find some weird kid in a CrossFit gym that's just weirdly strong, enters the competition and just destroys everyone. Be like another Stefan, like just out of fucking nowhere, this skinny kid with long hair will just pop up from somewhere. And if you did it like the novice comps, where it's like you just need you just need to wear your leggings or undershorts. Yeah, hundred percent. Like yeah. I mean, credit where credit's due. I think all, almost like how Mike did the early door lowers. If you could if you could run a very similar system like that. I, I think um, that would require all the clubs in London or enough clubs in London um, combining together, which wouldn't be hard because there's enough of us. But I think with some um, old histories in there, you're not going to get everyone necessarily. No, you're not. Yeah. But I think it's like, like you, you talk to sort of say like the only way I can see us matching a Chinese system would be something along the lines of that, unless you could yeah. physically get into schools and change it from bottom up, which the institutionalization of how we deal with sport in this country, I just don't it's, see that happening. It's the, bollocks. Yeah, but it's also like it's an elitist thing as well. There's certain sports that it's will bollocks. always be treated. <laughs> will always be treated at a higher level compared to oh, other. Oh yeah, man. Like, well, you can see it even like um as much as we say that like it's hard to take people from more privileged backgrounds and get them into sport and to make them want to perform at an elite level. It's like it's it's not necessarily. It's just going to be your if you only go for the posh kids. And I say that like having come from a private school, there's not as many of us. Like you're purposely going to a place where like you already have a pay barrier to get in you're only going to have a certain amount of people there because they want to select what they would consider the best. And if you're on sports scholarships, you have even less people than you would at a, a grammar school or a state school. So then in order to get the most out of those people, you've got to assume you've already picked the best physically, so not you, just academically. You basically use the system to filter out the choices in the first place. Yeah, it has to be a sports school. Like, um, I can never remember what it's called. It's not Christchurch. Um, uh, it's not, what, uh, what's it called? Sedbur, for example, has produced a disproportionate amount of professional rugby players. And I think England players as well. Like, th- because they go in, um, you go to Sedborough because you want to do well academically, but you want to be a rugby player. So it's like they teach you and they obviously give you good grades because they want you to go out into the world being able to be good at whatever you do. But the emphasis is on sport. And yeah. that's, I think, that I think is is the difference. And you see it with different schools and different colleges that end up disproportionately producing people for life. So like Leicester Tigers and um, Bedford and uh, uh, Saints, like they'll all have different colleges and satellite centres they'll pick from. And even though you won't see it advertised, a lot of the players from Bedford Blues and a lot of players from Saints all come from the same schools and academies and rugby clubs because you have that satellite in there. And for weightlifting and for other sports, it's just creating that and having a formula to, of where you're going to pick people from. But we don't do it because we yeah, don't... Well, resources aren't there yet. Yeah. You've got Gloucester and Hartbury as well, haven't you? Stuff like that. Got- That's the one. Well, Hartbury's a fucking professional club. Yeah, but so- you, you can... Same as um, Loughborough, oh, yeah, where like, Loughborough's clubs is. They're like, deep, they're like National 2 or something like that. Yeah. Now. Yeah, the savage. That's their university team, which is fucking crazy. Yeah, but yeah. It's like I mean, to, just to, to to wrap it all up, like it's, it's it's been an interesting way to hear sort of like it's just open my eyes up to a little bit more how much you guys have experienced it, like from the other side of the coin, from like the seeing the youth side. That's a lot more interesting to me. It explains a lot as well. To because obviously you don't you don't see them posting as much of the youth things as you do the the senior side of things. So that's that's been quite an interesting eye opener. Is there anything that you two so we go Marcus first. What was sort of like the the biggest takeaway from that time that you spent out there? Uh, for myself personally, probably, I guess it was really the attention to detail. Not not as as Alan said earlier. Not just the Olympic lifts. Absolutely everything you do. How is this going to benefit your weightlifting? Whereas with us, we're very much like 
all right, well, let's get you strong and then we can focus on your technique. Whereas they, they just simultaneously combine the two again with the combination of doing it from such a young age, it obviously increases the, 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 the rewards tenfold, but just the attention to the detail that they have. And the fact that if you don't pay that much attention to the detail, you're going to miss the lift and you're probably going to accidentally throw the bar at the coach that's standing, I don't know, maybe half a foot in front of you. So it's like either you make this lift with perfect technique or someone's going to get in fucking trouble. And so you don't want to be that guy. So yeah, they, they really do. I guess they, they discipline you well into understanding that perfection takes attention to detail. Alan, what about yourself, mate? There's a, there's a, a couple of things I wouldn't mind mentioning before we wrap up. It's like one of them is like they expect you to be a world champion by the time you're 22 to 24, which is, speaks volumes for everything already. It's just they don't bitch about little things that don't fucking matter. So like we have lifters over here that complain that they've got a lift in front of a mirror, and that is encouraged in China yeah. because they know what they're looking for. They're, like the 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 athletes educated to a level is like, this is what we want to see. But we want you to see it so that when I'm not here as a coach, you're still going to be practicing perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's that and there's obviously everything we've mentioned before. But yeah, the, uh, the, no, the no bullshit. Like, if it doesn't matter, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, if you got to lift in front of a fucking mirror, you got to lift in front of a fucking mirror. Get on with it. It's an interesting. Got a lift in front of a wall. You got a lift in front of a wall. Yeah. When I was there, they were there was the the coach to stand a foot in front of the barbell and stare at you. Mm. So like if you miss, you hit the coach, and then he'd probably give you a whack as well. Yeah, it's quite interesting because I'm I'm I I used to lose my temper a little bit. One of my lifters when we used to train in the commercial gym uh, before all this and before she started back off to Italy. So I can't lift there without. I mean, you've got no fucking choice. Just lift. If they, if, they, if they don't want to move and they're, they're being dickhead, then fuck, fuck them. Just lift. Stop worrying about it. There's nothing you can do about it. So it's quite interesting. There's a, a no bullshit sort of like perspective. It's, it's just attack it, attack it, and don't, don't worry about what's in front of you. Don't remember a world champion ever complaining about the chalk. <laughs> uh, if you're worrying about the chalk or the, these little things, you've not put the work in and you're trying to compensate already. Your head's already gone. Yeah, I like that. Oh, all right. Well, that was insightful, gents. To like I say, it's, it's open, like I said before, not to sound like a broken record. It's opened my eyes to a lot of bits that I, even I didn't know about, which is which is bloody times. That was the other thing I wanted to mention. You've got to work. It's everything. It's like Chris does a load of EMAM stuff already. They expect you to work every sixty seconds anyway for everything. Yeah, they'll they'll partner you, you up like with someone. Five eighty percent. It's like if you're resting more than a minute, minute and a half. Yeah, the coach is like, "What are you doing?" They'll, they'll, they'll partner you up with someone similar to your ability and then once he's done his lift right you're up you're going stop bitching get up on your feet you're doing now that's see, very do, much their outlook see, I, I see Chris I mean I don't think Alan you've, you've, have you trained with Chris yet? no I've not. I didn't want to embarrass his hand snatch yet <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can remember like I got into a very similar scenario with Chris and um, James I think it was after one of the, the, the first lockdown where we did a big session it was like me, me just trying to keep up with those two. Like, literally lift, right? Whoever wasn't on the bar, next person, like, I was fucked. So if I was putting a scenario like that, I'd be dead. Thank you for listening to the Ronin Strength Podcast. If you want to find us, you want to find out a little bit more about what we do in terms of coaching, you can find us at Ronin underscore strength underscore UK on Instagram and roninstrength.co.uk.